0: Welcome to the Donuts and Dumbbells podcast. I'm Brooke.
1: And I'm Nick. And we're so excited that you're here.
0: On this podcast, we talk about all things fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle change.
1: You know, all the healthy shit.
0: So go ahead and grab yourself a cup of hot or iced coffee.
1: Or a protein shake and sit back, relax, or go on a walk. And
0: we'll talk to you soon. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? I beat you to the punch today.
1: You did beat me to the punch. How are you today?
0: (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm excited because today on the podcast, we have a wonderful guest, Dr. Josh Smith, and we're going to talk about some cool shit today.
1: Yeah, our first guest. Super excited. Uh, Brooke and I were lucky enough to have the privilege to uh, see Josh speak at the Inner Circle retreat and Let me tell you, Josh's speech like blew my mind. I'm still thinking about Uh it almost a year later. Like, yeah, it it was really freaking good. So can't wait to hear what
2: you have to say today, Josh. Well, I I have to tell you. So first off, I I had in my head that I was going to try and jump in and introduce first because I love that the podcast start off with that dynamic. And of course, Zoom gave me that like, you know, are you aware that the recording has started? And I was like, (laughs) yes. And I was like, I'm missed it i had my chance to like welcome you guys to your own podcast wow um, that would have been awesome <laughs> i know and i like missed it um but also i don't know that even though i've listened to all your podcasts it had not dawned on me that i was your first guest you are indeed um you are indeed i, I which you think you would think i would have noticed having listened <laughs> to them all. So um but well thank you for um i'm um, I'm honored to be your first guest on the podcast. Hopefully, it will. We're honored to have you as our first. Oh, so nice when you say it like that. It doesn't have any other potential <laughs> meanings.
0: Um... <laughs> well, one of the things that I think is super important to talk about because I see this a lot with my own clients. I've this is something I've had to learn myself. Is you know when you struggle with nutrition, when you struggle with fitness, when you're struggling in the mindset department, a lot of people have a tendency to be overly critical and not compassionate with themselves on their fitness journey. And I think people forget that life is messy. Life Mm. is very, very messy. And when you're trying to, let's say, raise a family, go to work, work a full-time job. And then on top of that, trying to reach fitness and nutrition goals, if you don't, if you, feel like you're fucking it up. A lot of times people will kind of try to browbeat themselves into changing rather than having empathy and compassion for themselves.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, across the board, nutrition, fitness, work performance, fit, like we, people are real mean to themselves regularly. It, It's almost the default. Uh, I think unfortunately more often than not, the compassion we give to others and the room we give to other other people isn't anywhere near the grief and, and shit we give ourselves, um, which sucks. Um, it's funny. I just put something about this the other day where I basically was saying, don't be your own biggest bully. You know, it's like other people saying disparaging things is awful. And for sure... You know, we all have read about like make sure you leave room and space from people who are not kind or point out your failures or faults. But the whole discussion that I had put up was kind of a like, well, but what if you're your own biggest bully? Right? What if, what if your voice is the one that is like the second, you know, if you do 10 things in a day, it's your own internal voice that's like, but you did say you were going to do this one remaining thing and you didn't. It's that voice that I think gets to you the most. and I, I honestly, I think it it's why other people being disparaging hurts even more is because if they say anything that is an echo of what you're already giving yourself grief for, it hurts way more. because uh, when people say dumb stuff or hurtful things and it's an area that you're totally confident in, it doesn't really hurt because your internal voice hasn't beat you up about it. So you're like, okay, like, you know, if if my favorite car in the world is a rundown, beaten up jeep. And everybody else thinks that, you know, another car is ideal. And somebody's like, Oh, your Jeep is kind of ugly. Well, if I love it, I'm going to be like, okay, I don't care. It's if I'm the one beating myself up all the time that when somebody says that it, it hurts even more, um, yeah. but we're, we're not kind to ourselves in general.
0: Yeah. And I think that it takes a lot of practice and a lot of skill to be able to develop that compassion for ourselves, because, you know, I see this with clients and shit, I've, I still, every once in a while, do it to myself where, you know, oh, well, you should be tracking more accurately, or you should be making sure that you're doing cardio. You should be doing this, even though like I'm doing other wonderful things. It's almost as if that one negative thing pulls you away from all of the positive things that you're doing.
1: Mm -hmm. I think I see that a lot of people kind of assign moral value to that too. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. if I haven't done this, it makes me bad and you know i you know, people just like try to shame themselves into building healthier habits and shame just does not seem to be a very good motivator
2: no shame guilt it you know it just piles on and it's why it can take like a little tiny thing and and let it almost explode or expand um and I think with with food, right? I mean, I think we've all talked about like binary thinking and all or nothing or good or bad or success or failure, but the problem with that, and I think Brooke and I might've talked about this at one point, but you know, is if you decide you want to like give up sugar or just candy, if I decided, you know, yesterday, I want to give up candy and I show up to work the next day and there's like a bowl of Hershey's kisses out. It's like, all of a sudden, if I decided I was going to start my diet and I go in and I see that, if the second I eat one, my brain goes, well, we said we were going to start a diet today and I failed. That's it. It's over. Well, then all of a sudden, if I've registered today as a failure, immediately, like that's it, like one one choice and the whole day is a fail. There's nothing to stop me for the rest of the day because any other good choices I make won't overpower if one fail results in the whole day fail if i could have 15 successes but one fail that's it like then what's going to happen is my brain goes well i failed today so i guess i'll try again tomorrow but if it's a thursday and you're like uh well but tomorrow's friday and i usually like to get takeout on friday so tomorrow's going to be a fail and then the weekend i tend to like to be a little bit looser with my eating so like that's going to be you know two more fail all of a sudden I could have like two Hershey's kisses on a, on a Thursday. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to try my diet again on Monday. It's like, what just, what just happened? I made one choice. And now I'm going to delay the start of this, you know, for another four days. And it's trying to understand that nuance of like, wait a second. Like all that really matters is that you make the decision consciously.
0: Yeah. And then you spend that four days like anxious, you spend it dwelling, you spend it like every single time you decide to eat something, it's negative. You every single time, it's like, well, looks like I'm doesn't really matter. I'm going to have this pack of snacks here and this this here. And with every decision that you make that doesn't align with your goals, you're just digging yourself further and further into that hole.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and And it it piles on, it makes you feel worse about yourself, because now you just keep beating yourself up about it. I feel like people
1: can tend to like turn off that failure switch after they've had that one failure and just be like, okay, well, the rest of it's a wash. So like they can continue to make bad decisions and almost not feel guilty about them because they've declared that it's a failure and that's okay. And they'll just get back at it where they could really have, instead of having 15 failures that they're not even viewing as a failure, just one failure and then 14 more successes.
2: Hmm. Well, that's, That's like, in my head, that's vacation, right? People love to go on vacation and kind of say, hey, on vacation, I don't want to do this at all. It's all or nothing. There is no like half the distance to the goal. It's either it's I'm going on vacation, so I don't want to manage this. I don't want to worry about exercise. I don't want to worry about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so they give themselves a full and complete and total pass, which is fine. I actually don't have any issue with that. It's whether or not that creates something that makes it harder to get back into it or get back rolling when you get home. Like, I I don't have any issue if people say like, hey, I'm going to take the weekend and I just, I don't want to think about it. Great. But if you go into Monday and now you want to do kind of a Monday morning quarterback where you're like, oh, well, I know I said I wasn't going to think about it, but now that I think about everything I ate, now that I think about every... And that's when that internal voice starts to beat you up for what you didn't do or the choices you made or, okay, I could have let loose, but why did I let that loose? And, But if that guilt and shame results in a like, oh, like now I feel weird about going to the gym or now I feel weird about working out or, you know. Or like, what do I do with like leftovers from the party yesterday? Am I still going to eat those? Because then my my long weekend or my vacation ends up becoming a like, well, but also then until I finish, it just all expands. And, you know, I, I I think that, you know, it's not any one solution. And And how many people have talked about if you start a really intense, like complete change in your diet, like that's that's not it's not going to work it's not sustainable um you know what was it i think i think jordan once in a post said something about the fact that you know of, of just this notion of giving yourself grief about it and just you know now now what do you do and how do you carry it through and you know that internal voice of oh right, right, right. what he said was if you want to die to fail take absolutely everything you love and eliminate it Yes, and if you eliminate everything that you love, like then you can pretty much guarantee that diet isn't going to work.
0: Yeah, I Um, think about like seventy five hard, or like whole thirty or paleo. When I think of these things, and you know, I I'll have people say, you know, well it worked for me before, and it's like, but it didn't work for you before. If you were unable to live, like if you were able to remove all these foods, and then the second you were done with like the thirty days or the seventy five days. And you go crazy like a three-year-old that just drank a can of whoop-ass in a candy store. Like, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, it's going to be really, really hard to call that sustainable because it's not sustainable. If something, quote unquote, worked for you before, but then you gained all of your weight back and more, or you lost progress in some way, shape, or form, that that wasn't a sustainable method.
1: Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. you know, it didn't work for you because you gained everything back and like the purpose of doing some kind of weight loss something is to lose weight and keep it off right it's not just to lose weight and then take one really good photo and then be like all right fuck it we're going right back to the nothing but donuts like this is not how it works you want it to stick around forever So if you keep having to go back to it and you're on and off with it over and over and over again, it just isn't working for you. So you got to find something else.
2: Yeah. And the funny thing is, I think the reason that kind of mental health and psychology and fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, the reason there's such an overlap is because all of these same concepts that help with fitness apply to life. Mm -hmm. It's all it, it. and you guys talked about it when you talked about the discomfort of change, right? Well, that's true for almost any pattern. If you have people in your life that you have an unhealthy relationship with and it's and it's not balanced and you're giving more than you get back or it's abusive or well, if it's a habit and you've been doing it your whole life, it's really hard when you go to change it because like anything, it's easier to default to what you know and what's familiar, and so I think the reason that our kind of two fields meld is because if you want to have, if you want to have progress or gains, you know, in the fitness world, it's very similar to how do I make changes in my own life, and if I can't do one, I'm not going to be able to do the other. Uh, you know, if you know, I mean, the number. Of people i know who talk about lifestyle and will talk about the importance of sleep the importance of self-care the importance of and they help people achieve this and they don't do it for themselves and mm-hmm. it's it it's so interesting when you see that and then you hear certain people or public figures or fitness professionals who will say you know when i finally got my career off the ground i was i had more clients i was helping people i was I was in the worst shape of my life because in order to get there, they sacrificed their own, their own program. They weren't balancing their own program. And I think with, with guilt, with kind of being your own bully, you know, and, uh, the the way that I picture that is I tell people all the time, all of these things in your life, guilt, anxiety, stress, picture them for a minute, like a real person, like a real person that you've grown up with that follows you around all the time. And if anxiety is a person, they're the person that it's almost like when you're learning to drive and you have a parent in the passenger seat who every time you they're like, oh, oh, did you see that? Oh, you, and you're trying to drive and you're like, hey, sh- shut up. Like you are making this more difficult with all of your your comments. But if if that's what anxiety is like, if that's what stress is like, That is this voice that you hear when you go to make something to eat and they're like, Ooh, you're going to eat that. Okay. I mean, Hey, go ahead. I mean, Oh, I mean, I wouldn't, but it's cool. Go for it. It's exhausting when you hear this all the time, when you're surrounded by it, guilt, guilt is like, you know, guilt can ruin anything. Right? So the second you decide, Hey, you know what? Today's the day that I don't think I'm going to go to the gym. All of a sudden it's like the doorbell rings. And you're like, uh oh, guilt's here, I decided not to go. And like, we try and let it out. We try and keep it like at bay or say, I'm not going to let it in. But no guilt doesn't work like that. They'll just keep ringing the doorbell. Then they'll start banging on the door and ringing the doorbell. And like, if you don't let them in, they'll just get all worked up. And so they come in and they just kind of look at you and you're like, you know what? I need a night off. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to watch a show. And you go to sit down and guilt's just sitting there looking at you like, oh, okay. Oh, this is what you're doing. All right. No, enjoy yourself. Try and have a good time. And you're like, oh, now I can't, I can't like, and what ends up happening is that all of these characters, you know, they mess with you. So guilt, by the way, some guilt can be healthy. If it's your, if it's your own internal system telling you, you, you know, that you should be doing something differently or for your own value system. Great. When somebody sends guilt that's the worst, right? Mm-hmm. That That's kind of like when there's a knock at the door and you're like, who's here? And you open it and guilt's there. And it's like, you know, in the form of a text message from like a parent that's like, hey, did you call your grandma? And you're like, oh man, you sent guilt to my house. Like I was totally fine. You get one text message. that's like, hey, did you see this? Did you respond to that email? And now guilt's with you. And it's going to ruin your night. Like all of a sudden, if like watching TV and having something to eat is like an A, if guilt's there, it bumps it immediately down to like a B, B minus. And that's where when you have anxiety and guilt and they're just kind of saying all sorts of mean shit, it's exhausting It and it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to learn how to say like, because with with guilt, if you appease it, well, <laughs> that doesn't always, that that will shut them up. Same with anxiety. You know, if anxiety is like, hey, have you checked your email? you should, before you go to bed, you should check your work email. Just, I mean, I don't know, you don't want to build up and you're like, shut up. I'm going to bed. And it's like, I mean, just maybe just check it real quick. We make anxiety go away by saying, fine, I will check my email. Will that shut you up? And they go, Hey, no, you don't have to, but I mean, yeah. But then you check your email. And if there's something that says like, Hey, we need you to do this training by Friday. Anxiety just kicks back up again and is like, I mean, maybe we should just do it now. And you're like, no, I only checked my email to make you shut up. And now you won't leave me alone about the training. And then you're trying to fall asleep. And they're like, I don't know when we're going to get that done. Uh, And they said Friday. And now all of a sudden you can't sleep. And God forbid you have sleep anxiety. That's that's like having somebody lay down in bed next to you and be like, do you think you're going to fall asleep tonight? Or is it going to be a bad night again? And you're like, why the (laughs) fuck would you say that? Like, why would you do that? You know, and they're like, I know, I know. It's just last night. We couldn't stop thinking about the fact that we had to like get ready for this weekend and that we have to return that. And then we have to, and you're like, hey, hey, why are you bringing that up again? Like, And, and it's like, well, now I'm not going to sleep. Like now you're just listing off all the stuff that I have to do. The the trick, whether it's self-deprecating, whether it's beating yourself up is learning to like acknowledge it. Guilt, anxiety, when it shows up and says, hey, like, are you feeling badly that we didn't go to the, go to the gym today? It's like, yeah okay, that's it. But then stop talking to guilt. Like just to, like, at that point, it's like, I have to acknowledge it and then not get into a debate because I can't win. And unfortunately, when you cave to guilt, like you're very often met wherever you go by resentment and anger, right? So like, if, if I have a good friend who calls me and says, Hey, can you come out tonight? And I'm like, No, I really can't. And then guilt shows up and says, like, you should go, you should definitely go. Like, uh, you you've been to the gym twice this week, like, you should go. And if I'm like, fine, to get you to shut up, I'll go. But if I show up at a restaurant, and then my friends invited six other people, they've been there for an hour. They're all having a great time. My friends in the best mood they've ever been. Sure, guilt goes away. Now resentment follows me around all night going, I can't fucking believe we came here. This is ridiculous. We didn't need to do this. Yeah. So it's learning to identify those characters and figure out a way to say, hold on, like, I can't think with all this noise. I can't think with like six different people arguing about what I should or shouldn't do, especially if I appease one, the other one criticizes me. That, that doesn't help with progress. That just makes you feel exhausted all the time.
0: Yeah. Most
1: definitely. Yeah. You kind of have like all these internal voices, right. And no matter what you, if, if you appease one, another one's going to kick in and give you shit about something else. So mm-hmm. like as much as you can try and shut those out, like, you can try. Um, it, it may not work all the time. Sometimes it will. And that's awesome. And sometimes it won't. And that's just, it's just part of life, right? Like we all have emotions. We all have shitty feelings sometimes. And acknowledging and respecting the fact that you are a human and you are going to have shitty feelings. And you could just kind of move on from that when you feel in a different mood. Great.
2: Yeah. You, you can't ignore those characters. If you ignore no. them, they just get louder. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it's really just kind of learning to say, right. Like, how do I validate it? Acknowledge like mm. where it's coming from and then figure out a way to move on. And when we, when we put ourselves in, in this mode where it's really just either all success or it's not like, well, how does that set anyone up for success? Cause uh, you know, like you were saying before, like life is messy and busy and stuff is going to happen. And if you don't build in any wiggle room, right? You don't want to build in all of the room and be like, ah, okay, well, my goal is to, to exercise anywhere from zero to five times this week. Okay. Well that's too big a range. But if you say, well, if I do anything less than four times, it's a fail. Well, then it just piles on and it's, it's not fun, right? It ends up meaning that we're constantly looking backwards and giving us, giving ourselves grief for what we didn't do. Um, I saw a post recently and I'm, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up. But it, it was basically saying like, you know, if right now you're upset that you didn't start, whatever it is that you, whatever goal you have that you didn't start a year ago. And you're like, Oh, I said a year ago, I was going to start doing this. And it was basically saying, don't worry about the fact that you didn't start it a year ago. Try and make sure that a year from now you're not looking back going, I wish I started a year ago. And I just like that that perspective was like, right. You, you you know you made whatever choices you made to get where you are. And if we focus on how you got here and not what I need to do to move forward, like that's just beating yourself up. And how much time do you want to spend beating yourself up about the only parts you can't you can address or fix?
0: yeah. And I think the key to stop beating yourself up, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is to learn how to develop self-compassion. Yep. And so with that, when someone is beating themselves up and they're trying to have self-compassion, are there any practices or anything that you know of Josh that can help that?
2: Well, I wish there was like an easy, like, this is one <laughs> thing that works for everybody. I think unfortunately it's different for everyone. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I think there's the, there's that age old saying or phrase of like try and start treating yourself like you would your best friend Mm -hmm. yeah i think sometimes it right and the way that i think of that is like very very like kind of i don't know logistically or like realistically if your best friend called and said i had all this stuff that i planned on doing this week and i got like half of it done you would never be like that sucks Uh, you are lazy and you really fuck that up. Like n- never, you would never just say to your friend, like, Oh yeah, ugh, that's gross. It, you would say like, ah, I'm sorry. I'm glad that you at least got something done and it, you would be positive towards them. So it's trying to put it in that. like, It's trying to put there certain things in that category of how do I recognize when I'm doing it? How do I recognize when I'm giving myself grief for what I haven't done and it really is different. Some people will, will talk about, oh, when I catch myself having a negative thought, I have to think two positive thoughts. Okay. That works for some people, for some people that's infuriating. Right. I mean, it's like when you listen to a meditation and they're kind of like, you know, like breathe in strength and, and breathe out your worries. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, (laughs) how do I breathe out my worries? Like, did I miss that class? Like, if that's all i had to do and just be like oh man i'm feeling stressed oh my god i forgot to breathe out my stress okay i'm good now hey, i have no idea how that's gonna sound on a microphone so i apologize to anybody if that was really <laughs> but you know but you like so it it's why you know in the past i remember i i way back when we printed things i would get things in the mail where people would say like hey will you review this like six week uh treatment you know program and it used to always make me laugh when I got programs on anger management. And I was like, I don't need to look at it. You can't come up with six modules that work for everybody to address anger. It's never going to work. Everybody's frustration. Like you tell one person to journal, it's going to help them. You tell another person to journal and it's going to make them lose their mind. So I think some of it starts with, you know, Starts with trying to recognize what it is that you want, trying to recognize what's important to you, and trying to also take as much time giving yourself credit for the things you are doing, as if not more than grief for the things that you haven't. Or make sure you're not spending all of your time kind of ruminating on what you didn't do. Like You want to spend a certain amount of time saying, okay, I didn't do that. Okay, I get it. I would like to spend more time figuring out on how to how to move forward. How do I want to how do I want to move forward getting this done? Or how to because it's the same as when when I hear people talk about someone in their life where they're like, I really envy that they have this, or how come they have that and I don't? Or when you see other people and you see all these things that you think you want and are and feel out of your reach. If you spend your life looking at other people and what they have that you don't have or wish you had. It's like getting stuck watching a reality TV show that just is like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And it's like, right. But how do I break away from that and figure out well, that doesn't apply to me, their life, what they have. If there are things I want, you want to spend as much time figuring out how do I get the things I want? Like you want to spend more time doing that than figuring out why do other people have it? And it makes me feel bad. It, it's really, and you guys talked about honesty Being honest with yourself is huge, Mm -hmm. you know, and that includes being honest with yourself about strengths and weaknesses, like weaknesses aren't a bad thing. Mm. It's being able to say like, it's almost like if you can't accept a compliment from yourself, how are you ever going to accept a compliment from somebody else? If you consistently find that when somebody tells you something about you, that they like, that they admire, that they think is great, anywhere from how you act, your personality, or it even could be appearance, physique, anything like that. If you find consistently, when people compliment you, you feel uncomfortable and you just kind of want to dismiss it or brush it away, or you, you don't believe it. You say, no, 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 they're just saying that, or that that is a really good indicator that you're, that you're bullying yourself all the time.
0: Wow, I feel attacked. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm like, damn, Josh, it's only like 10.08 a.m. here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I like what you said, too, about like giving yourself credit and you know not beating yourself up about things you didn't do, because I think a lot of times people will half-ass a task and give themselves shit for it when in reality they at least did some of that task instead of ignoring it and not doing it all so i think i, I heard a quote the other day that was like anything worth doing is worth half-assing and I'm like, yeah that's <laughs> true like <laughs> or if, you're gonna do if, you if you can't full-ass it half-assing is fine
2: full-ass it right try and suck ass ass less exactly <laughs> i'm gonna have
0: to say nick that's probably one of my favorite quotes that you've ever said just i don't
1: know why that came out of my mouth but i am left. getting t-shirts made <laughs> you
2: hey, if you guys are making anyone? t-shirt t-shirts will you please add whoop ass in a candy store because <laughs> like uh, I, I i want that to become like a phrase be like whoop ass in a candy store and it's, I want people phrase. to be like you know it whoop ass in a candy store I'm <laughs> um, thought you, i gonna be um, on Vista
0: print later no <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, no it's I don't know I mean so much of what we go through day to day is um is about managing your own you know resources and it's a constant battle of kind of what what drains my resources and what kind of bolsters my resources. And very often we just kind of say like, oh, well, I only have so much like of my own internal battery available right now. And you know, where am I going to put it? How do I like, and the way I think about exercise for some people is, you know, if you're imagining, if, you know, I'm sure you guys may have, or may not have heard, I'm obsessed with this old battery analogy, but I won't bore you with the entirety of it, but the basis of it is if you imagine that you have your own internal battery, no different than a phone, you know, and life is essentially like all of the apps on there, right? You have a finance app, you have a parenting app, you have a work app, you have like, that's what drains your battery. And it drains it in differing levels and they open up at different times and everything both expends or charges battery. And so, with exercise i think one of the things in that whole category being honest with yourself it's knowing what what does everything take and and then what do you what do you need in reverse right so for me in another lifetime when i was in grad school uh i would say i needed 15% battery to get to the gym if i had under that i couldn't do it You know, it's almost like when your phone doesn't have enough memory and you're like, hey, download this. And it checks first to see if there's enough memory. And if there isn't, it just says, no, we won't download it. It's all or nothing. It doesn't download 90% of it. It just says, nope, can't do that. If I was under 15%, I couldn't get to the gym. So if I was at 15% or more, I could get to the gym and I would get back, I don't know, maybe like 20%. 25% if I was lucky. So it was only a net gain of like 5%. But if I got home and I was at 10% battery, I like, couldn't do it. I would walk, I would procrastinate. I'd walk around, I'd get ready for the gym. I'd put all my stuff together for the, and then I would just continue to walk around the apartment and I'd be like, well, I'll put my dishes away and I'll look. And my, then my guilt app would open up and say like, how come you're not going? How come we haven't left for the gym yet? And now my battery is draining and I'm getting further from being able to get to the gym. Instead, it's learning to say, hey, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at 12% battery. I can't get to the gym unless I'm at 15. So I need to know what is an, what's an activity that charges my battery 3% instead of focusing on how come I'm not doing it? Why didn't I get there? I have to say, hey, w- I, this is what my budget is. I need 3%. If I can if I can know what is my 3% activity and hit 15%, now I can go. But if I just start berating myself, instead of saying, hey, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, it was a rough day, I don't have the battery. Well, that's when people start to criticize themselves or give themselves grief instead of saying, right, but then what do I need for a 5% charge? You know, is that making myself a coffee? Is that like, you know like taking a walk, is that going for yeah you know, whatever it is, it's knowing like, I'm not, nothing's wrong with me. I haven't done anything bad. You know, when I was, I remember in grad school, the gym that I went to, uh, it was in like a strip mall. And at the end of the strip mall, uh, there was a, like a little convenience store that like they turned into a big giant grocery store. And so it messed with parking. And all of a sudden parking at the gym was miserable. Like every time I went, they were like, There was no spots and people would like block. I didn't have that framework at the time. I just stopped going to the gym because my algorithm got messed up. It used to take 15% to get there to get a 20% or to 25% payout. All of a sudden it was costing 20 to 25% battery to just go to the gym. So I was going and it would be a net loss. And the worst was if I went there, drove around for 20 minutes, couldn't find parking, got so frustrated, went home. Now I used all of my remaining battery and I didn't get any back. And so I just stopped going and I didn't know why. And then that brings up guilt and then shame. And that like, that just gets you further from that goal. It took me a little while to figure out, oh, it's because before I could go whenever I wanted, I didn't have to think about what time of day it was like, and that changed. So I had to figure out a new system. Because I had to be honest about that battery, that algorithm, or it doesn't work.
1: I think sometimes people don't realize those changes are taking place. Like perfect example, you didn't realize that that was consuming so much of your battery. And it's great that you like took that time, however, however long it took to evaluate, oh, shit, this is what's Mm -hmm. draining my battery and like figuring out what changes you need to make to be able to actually get to the gym, whether that's going to a new gym or whatever the case may be. And I think people need to do a little bit more of that, like introspection of like, why is it so hard for me to do something that used to
2: not really be that hard? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And that yeah. comes back to compassion, right? Because if yeah. all of a sudden I stop going to the gym and my assumption is what's wrong with me, mm-hmm nothing changed. I just stopped being able to go, what's wrong with me? How awful am I? That's not going to get me to go. It took saying, hey, wait, this is weird. I had been doing this consistently for a while. What changed? And saying, okay, well, if you look at it from the battery perspective and say, why is this taking me more battery? Or why do I have less battery? Well, now you're not blaming yourself. You're saying, hey, just from a logistics standpoint, what do I need to change or alter to get it done? Mm. And I, I Nick, in one of them, I swear, in one of the podcasts you had mentioned at times taking a client to the gym, uh, or to, am I making that up? I have taken a that? client to the gym a couple of times. Okay. Uh, that might've been so, Brooke, actually. I know she does that. Okay. No, so it was- I think for a lot of people, if you haven't been in the gym in a while, that first time going to the gym takes a massive battery. Because your anxiety app is open, your yep. stress app is open, your shame app is open, your guilt. like, And I think I may have even said this to both of you at the, at the retreat, right? Like the second you walk in the gym, <laughs> the brain naturally seeks out the last time you exercised any exercise, any body composition, any, and it will find whenever you were the best at that one thing. And it doesn't matter what the details are. So if I haven't stepped foot in the gym in 15 years, And I go in and I go to do a deadlift and I'm like, okay, well, it's the bar and, and just 10 pound weights on each side only because I can't pick the bar up off the ground. So I'm only using those weights. So it's not directly on the floor. My brain is going to go back to what was the most I could deadlift in my lifetime. And how do I compare to that? And immediately I'm going to give myself grief. Now, it doesn't matter if that was 25 years ago and I, doesn't matter if I was in different shape. Doesn't matter if if I've had an injury since then. Doesn't matter. Nope. The brain just says, here's where I am now. And here's where I should be without any other context or data. It's mean and it's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Like before I had kids, I worked out a lot more. I had more time. You know, I don't now. It's changed. Mm-hmm. So if you don't change those expectations, then like, and so I tell people all the time, if they're having trouble going to the gym, go every single day, don't work out. You pay for the gym 24 seven, like go in, go get a smoothie, like use, use the sauna, use the steam room. Like, I don't care. Like I, I worked with somebody years ago. You couldn't leave your stuff overnight, you know, but you could come in and get a locker. And he had like three roommates and he hated the routine in the morning. And I was like, well, so leave the house, go to the gym. Like, use their shower, use all their stuff, leave everything there, go to work. At the end of the day, go back to the gym, shower there, change there. If you want to watch TV, sit in the lounge and watch TV. If you want to walk on a treadmill and watch TV, like use it, use it all the time. And he had to do that for weeks to get over his own hang up about going to the gym and not working out. Yeah. Once he got over that, and was like, right, I don't have fear of going to the gym because I've gotten rid of my expectation of what does that mean or entail. All of a sudden, he was like, actually, I'm now working out more or I'm at least walking or I'm at least like, because he'd be like, yeah, I went to the gym and I didn't want to work out, but I didn't want to go home. So I sat on a recumbent bike and I watched a half hour show. And that was not because that was his plan. It was because he finally felt comfortable enough to go there without... Any shame, guilt, or expectation.
0: Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I I find this a lot with, um, with parents where, you know, like moms, parents, or people that have taken like a long hiatus away from lifting, like, oh, well, when I was in high school, I could do X, Y, and Z. And people forget, like, when you're in high school, you don't have the same responsibilities that you do as an adult, like if you're an adult and you have kids, like that completely changes. So I feel like you hit the nail on the head where it's like, you're in two different phases of life. And so comparing Mm -hmm. your past with your, with your present, that does yourself no justice.
1: And not only that, it's like your body is physiologically very different from when you're 35 versus when you're 18, especially if you're a woman, like and have had a baby and your body, your body changes a lot after having a baby. So, you know, you hear this all the time, like, Oh, I just got to get back to the weight that I was before I had the baby, or I just got to get back to my high school weight. And like, that shit doesn't matter. Like what matters is you get to a spot in your life where you feel happy. You feel comfortable in your own body, but you don't have to look like you did when you were in high school, because that's just not realistic.
0: And I like to tell people like when you were in high school, you were a child.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's something that I think a lot of people don't um, register is like when you're looking at pictures of your 16, 17, 18 year old self, like you're a kid, you're not going to like if you're a full grown adult, you're not going to look like a kid. So it's learning to accept and have compassion for where you're at and move forward in a way that is a lot more productive
2: and I had hair down to my shoulders in high school. So I definitely don't want to look like that now. No, did I. Oh man, we'll compare photos. Um, I No, but I think, so it's funny because this the battery model that I use all the time, if you think about it, kids, right? It's a brand new phone when they like, so first off mm-hmm. a brand new phone, the battery naturally lasts longer and they have way fewer apps Way like the stuff that's on their phone to this metaphorical phone, right? Like what do they have to worry about? Like school, homework, they're not worried about money. They're not worried about food. They're not all of these things that we have open that drain our resources. So yeah, you have all the time in the world, you know, and your battery seems to last forever. The older you get, the more you add to that so it's more that drains it it's more that's on there it's more and the more things that are running at any given time it can slow down processing speed it can slow down so when people are like oh i just don't know how to fit it it's because most adults budget their battery every day it's it's why with parenting I, like i had my own aha moment years ago you know the phrase don't cry over spilled milk we talk about that like it's about kids it, it's not It's about us, right? Kids wouldn't cry if we didn't get upset. Well, why do we get upset? We get upset because if I've budgeted 20% battery to get my kids up, dressed, fed, and off to school, the second one of them spills something, all of a sudden, I now need 25 or 30% battery, and I didn't budget for that. So if that threatens my whole day, I'm going to be pissed, and I'm not going to react well. And that's like, but on a Saturday, if I have all the time in the world, same thing, same spill, I'm not going to overreact. You know, my kid spills something. I'm going to go, wait, hey, no big deal. We'll clean it up. Like, uh, you don't need to be upset. And then we start to give ourselves grief of how come I can't respond like that every time? How come I got mad on a Wednesday when my kid spilled something, but on a Saturday, I responded like the parent I wish I was all the time? Well, because I had more battery available. And my day was not budgeted for a hundred percent of my battery for the, int- like I had more wiggle room. So I don't get that upset with a 10% swing. There's more on your plate. There's more to do. And it's the honesty comes down to acknowledging that and being able to say like, right, if I really look at my battery, what drains my battery, what charges my battery, you know, what are the apps I can close? What are the apps I can't close? I mean, that's when I talk to people of chronic illness, chronic pain, anything like that, or any chronic condition, we could consider parenting a chronic condition, right? That's like, like having that app open all the time. You can't close it. You can't delete it. And it drains your battery in a varying level. So, you know, people who have any sort of chronic medical, you know, or mental health condition, we've all had those days where you wake up in the morning, you check your battery and you're like 80%. That's not bad like I can make it through my day at 80%. And by the end of breakfast, you look down at your phone and you're like 45%, what the, I didn't even do anything today. And at 45%, I can't make it through my day. And now it's this like, how do I recharge? And what do I cancel? And what, you know, it's important to keep those things in mind. And I think for a lot of people, if you're trying to figure out motivation, it's one, don't give yourself grief when you don't have enough battery, right? Beating yourself up about it doesn't help. And you can't have every single item on your to-do list be over a certain battery percentage. You almost need to know, hey, if I don't have enough battery, if I'm under that 15% and I need 5%, what gets me 5%? You need to know what gets you 5%, what gets you 10%, what gets you 20%. And you need to take a look at the people and things in your life that are constant drains and ask yourself if they need to be there. And if you've been used to donating, a percentage of your battery to somebody in your life daily, weekly, if they, if it's not a necessity, and it's just because you used to have the capacity, it's learning to be able to say, yeah, like on a tough week or a tough day, I can't accommodate that person. Mm -hmm. Like I can't just keep giving my battery out to everybody else because then there's nothing left.
0: Yeah. And learning Mm -hmm. to develop those boundaries, I think is really important just because, you know, when you do have something or someone that is very draining in your life, you know, a lot of the time we will put that first before putting ourselves first. And then of course, that's when guilt shows up. That's when anger shows up. And then that's just Mm -hmm. draining your battery even farther. So I think, you know, for those listening, like making sure that you're looking, you know, you're actually asking yourself questions. Like, how do I feel when I'm around this person? Or how do I feel when I go into this job? How do I feel when, you know, I wake up in the morning after not getting a good night's sleep. Where is my battery at today? I think it's mm-hmm. really important to ask yourself that because realistically, in the end, the only person you're hurting by not checking your own battery is yourself.
2: Absolutely. That is so true. And, yeah. and people notice it. We all notice it, right? I mean, when, when you don't have battery... Well, I mean, the the natural defense mechanisms we have, shields, right, things to protect ourselves. If I don't have battery, I can't have shields up, which means I'm more sensitive, which means things that normally I, like I can say, okay, I know that's a sensitive spot of mine, but it bounced off the shield. I felt it, but it didn't hit me. And the other one that I talk about all the time is, is filters. It takes battery to filter what we say. Yeah. So if you've ever been at work or talked to someone, been like, I got to get out of here before I say something I regret, it's because you're low mm. battery. Mm. And if that. the wrong person walks up to you and says, like, you know, hey, did you see that email, you're gonna be like, I did see that email, like, and that's the eighth time you've asked me and you're like, you want to explode at people. It's why if you go to the pharmacy to pick up a prescription, and it's not ready. And you got a text message that said, come and get it. Some days you're like, hey, that's really obnoxious, but whatever. And another day you might lose your mind. It's because if you're low battery, you have no shield, no filter, you're going to blow up.
0: Yeah, And most definitely.
2: Yeah, it's Um, taking a look at that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and as we, you know, as we wrap up here, what advice do you have for people to kind of help themselves recharge their own battery or have compassion with themselves? Mm -hmm. Like, is there any advice that you could give people um, and I know it's not, you know, just a one size fits all answer, but because everybody <laughs> would be so
1: busy. easy if it was, wouldn't exactly, it? Just... Exactly. Exactly. Oh, our would our nice. jobs
0: would be much easier. Um, but what is a little, right, breathe
2: out your worries. Exa- yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, no, we're not going to do that, but <laughs> my internet just. All right. All right. Well, Brooke decided to accidentally kick her internet router and end the episode a little earlier, but we wanted to come back (laughs) and wrap it up for you guys. (laughs) You would think that this, you know, you you would think by now I would be a little bit more tech savvy, but that just is not the case.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? It just takes a certain battery percentage for you brooke to you work go. on the there tech savvy stuff there so there go
0: nick yep that, <laughs> it takes 20 percent every time i have to use technology like
1: <laughs> that's right well i want to yeah. thank you josh for coming on um we talked offline while brooke was gone so like i'm repeating everything right here but like this was super insightful i learned a lot i know our listeners will learn a lot Um, it's really going to make me think more about what external things are in my life that are draining my batteries. I hope it's helping our listeners do that as well. So we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you coming on anytime you want to come back on. I know I would love to have have you. Brooke would love it. Our listeners would love it. So
0: Yeah. So do you have any, any famous last words, Josh, for people? (laughs) What?
2: Yeah, well, it's, it was once we got disconnected, I probably had the most insightful thoughts I've ever had in my life. It's but, true, no, he did. I just, <laughs> um, no, I think where we left off, and I have no idea, hopefully I'm not repeating but I was kind of saying if there was going to be a sign off, it would be like really taking an honest look at what charges your battery, what drains your battery, and and try not to, instead of giving yourself grief about it, to just be realistic about it and to be able to notice that like that's, that's going to impact mood and emotion and, and response time and- And I think partially what I was just saying to Nick is that it'll happen every once in a while where like I I give that example of if your battery's at 15% and somebody calls, we all do this quick calculation of the like, oh, this person's range is like plus five to minus 20. And if I'm at 15%, I I don't answer the phone because I'm worried, what if it's that range? And what I was saying is that like what stinks is even if you decide not to answer, if your guilt app opens up and it takes up 5%, Just because the phone rang, which is not your fault, you had no control over it and you chose not to answer, which is a healthy, good decision. If guilt opens up and takes up 5%, it drops you to 10% and sends you into low battery. And it's learning to identify how often is guilt or anxiety or stress opening up. And basically, even though it was a healthy, good decision, or I hate to use good decision or not good, but like, things that are healthy for you, if guilt comes in and tells you, oh, that wasn't the right call, like that's taking up a certain percentage of battery, even for doing healthy behaviors. Yeah, most so, definitely. Yeah. So take a look at that, keep an eye on it. And I think that can help with the compassion, with the self-compassion when you recognize that some of this is just my resources. Some of it yeah. is is just external variables, internal variables, like the stuff you have to deal with. And to not beat yourself up about the days where you're low battery or yeah. distancing well, yourself sure. from people who can tank your battery. Like having dinner with a friend who is like, can be a 10% battery gain, but could also drain any battery you have can be stressful. And it's okay to be like, yeah, today's not the day for me to hang out with that particular person because I don't want to leave dinner and be like, oh my God, that that took up 50% of my battery and now I'm exhausted. You know, it's kind of protecting those resources, the boundaries.
0: Yeah. I think that that is just a great piece of advice to wrap up with. And thank you so much, Josh, for being on the podcast. We will definitely be having you back soon.
2: Uh, for sure.
1: Awesome. Thank you for being here and thank you everyone for listening. All right, you guys. Have <laughs> a day. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Donuts and Dumbbells podcast.
0: We appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to join us.
1: And if you'd be so kind as to leave us a review, it helps us reach more people looking to improve their health and fitness.
0: Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.